0: Well, hello guys. How is everyone doing? Today, we've got an Independence Day special with a very special young hero, a recent awardee of the Forbes 30 Under 30 Award here in Indonesia, and the founder of Ruma Fei Faye Siman Junta. Truly a role model for the youth, and an activist to free Indonesian children from trafficking, exploitation, and abuse, I was super grateful for the opportunity to discuss the future of Indonesia and the next generation together with her. If you're curious to find out the stories behind Faye's footprints, well, so am I. So let's jump right into today's episode of the Footprints Podcast. See you there, guys. This. This. Is the Footprints Podcast? Yes, 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 yes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Footprints Podcast, where we will explore the footprints of today's heroes and tomorrow's leaders. Before we start, I just would like to say Happy Independence Day to everyone listening. I'm so grateful that our country is now 75 years old. Um, I myself, I'm an Indonesian, so I'm super grateful that Indonesia is 75 years old now. Um, Although we're facing so many crazy unprecedented things, I'm just so grateful that we get to celebrate our 75th um, Independence Day. It is only fitting that in the context of these festive Indonesian celebrations, um, we have a phenomenal guest who has actively brought a major impact to the Indonesian youth, um, who has humanized humans, they say through her organization's programs, and also who I consider an excellent young Indonesian hero with a very bright future ahead of her. Faye Simanjuntak, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
1: Hello, thank you for having me. I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm also doing well. Um, I was just getting ready for the show with a very special guest. So grateful for you to be here. Um, there is no better way for me to start this by first saying thank you. Um, thank you not only for your willingness to be able to be on the show, but also thank you for what you've done all over these years um, with RuMaFe And being a very impactful person for not only like the children of Indonesia, but also the families of Indonesia. And also personally for me, because <laughs> I've heard of RuMaFe and your name for quite some time and the impact you've had on Indonesia is really phenomenal.
1: Wow. So.
0: Um, yeah as we are about to enter like the 75th um, birthday of indonesia what excites you most about independence day
1: i you know i i feel like you were gonna look for a more you know a deeper answer but really i'm just excited for the uh, the book competition you know the one with the string i love that and i'm going to beat my brother this year i've never done it he's you know he's like a he's a big kid he he goes Mm -hmm. for it and i lose every year so i'm hoping that this is the year where i'll win but i don't I don't know if it's going to happen. You know?
0: Right, right. That's true. Probably they'll yeah. like social distance the group book or something. Um, oh, that's with true. what's happening right now. But yeah, I'm also um, obviously like the flag ceremony and everything. Things will be a bit different this year. Yeah. But yeah, I'm super excited about this Independence Day for sure also congratulations on recently being on the indonesia's forbes 30 under 30 list and also (laughs) starting what's up indonesia yes super great stuff i mean thank you no worries i mean in these tough situations where people are consuming content more than ever you know instagram tiktok everything (laughs) i think it's very important for having something like what is up indonesia you know make them realize you know the nagging issues related to our country right
1: Yeah, I'm. I wanted to facilitate the knowledge of a lot of kids who grew up in maybe international environments. Mm -hmm. Um, At first, I didn't want to make it because I was concerned that it would make them or us even, because that it definitely includes me. um, It would make us more willing to be ignorant because we were like, okay, we read this one post and that's it. But I realized that I kind of had a role to play in trying to raise more awareness or at least start some kind of dialogue, even if people weren't listening. And people were listening (laughs) apparently. So um i'm excited about it we'll see how it goes
0: right 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 it's super cool i just gave it a follow and thank
1: you oh my goodness
0: hope that great things um go for that
1: yeah yeah. it's me and abby from lalita project sorry go
0: on for sure for sure for sure no worries but yeah maybe we can start with you talking a little bit of your background and what urged you to start Rumafei, um at a very young age
1: yeah. So I started Fe in October of 2013. So I was 11 years old at the time, which now that I look back was quite young. I think at the time I felt old enough, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go for it. So what if I'm 11? But now that I'm looking back, it was it was pretty young. Um, mm-hmm. But I truly never meant to start Ruanfei, if you will. I know people usually start organizations and they have these really long-term goals and we do now because that's kind of critical to our success. But when I first started, you know, it was more just because I learned about human trafficking in school. Right. And I went home, I learned about child trafficking. And from there, I realized that Indonesia has, you know, relatively high rates of child trafficking, exploitation, and abuse. And so I started, you know, trying to figure out what my role in that was because as much as I knew that that was a really tough situation, I couldn't handle the cases, I thought, you know, how can a child contribute to the anti trafficking movement or cause or work or um, whatever you want to call it? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I would say that over the course of like two, three years, I sent almost a hundred, like a hundred handwritten letters to organizations, to ministries, to individuals um, who were, you know, working in the anti trafficking sector and just asking, how can I get involved? Right. Uh, not many of them replied to me. Uh, it's still a sore spot to this day, but. Uh, the ones who did were really, really great and helped me understand what they did, how I could contribute. But something I saw, so I became this like, obviously in Indonesian, I called it like in English, that's like, I guess like mini volunteer, a little volunteer. Mm -hmm. And I went with these organizations, with these people to areas where children had high, were at risk of being trafficked or at risk of being exploited. And, you know, they were doing wonderful work and they had knowledge and experience that was far over my own experience, of course. But something that I realized was because they were older than the kids and they didn't really try to discuss, it was just a one-way conversation, you know? So it's not a conversation at all. It was just them talk to the kids and the kids, you know, we're kids, right? Like, exactly. you know, you listen, it goes in one ear, it goes out the other, right? Mm-hmm. And so I just thought, man, I think this is my role that I'm supposed to try to facilitate peer-to-peer education. Because I believe that change, long-term change, sustainable change is the one that we want to go for, but it can only be done through grassroots empowerment right? Right. Community empowerment, Mm -hmm. um, change on a local level. And so, you know, Rumafe didn't start as an organization at all. We didn't even have a name. It was just myself and some of my friends going down to these areas and talking to the kids. And we were working as facilitators. So we didn't come in and say like, oh, we know everything about reproductive health or child trafficking. But we brought in, you know, some professionals who I was privileged enough to know or have connections to. And they taught the kids and from there, I started to realize that there was quite an interesting impact, right? The kids were coming forward, they were asking questions, and the knowledge was staying with them. And so you fast forward a couple of months, fast forward, I think, no, like two years, I think, uh, we got a lot of great opportunities from people, uh, ideas for collaboration, invitations for collaborations. And I just thought, you know, if this is really going to be a thing, like a real thing, then we should have a name then we should try to implement this more across maybe at the time it was across indonesia now i realize i should have focused more local but yeah and then rumah face was officially started in october of 2013 and we were lucky enough to start a safe house in 2016 and we've been growing we've been developing and just doing our best to serve the country
0: awesome absolute respect um for your motivation and yeah for you being able to lead all this um at such a young age um i don't think a lot of young people would have that motivation especially like when i was 10 when i was 11 what was i doing i was still like in elementary i wasn't i wasn't really thinking of these things so
1: um
0: having someone no i was also yeah
1: yeah no no no. i was also playing kites and everything it was just after (laughs) i went to work you know
0: right 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 right
1: i think I was just really privileged to have a family that really backed me up, um, supported me, not only morally, but also financially. I think that's a really important thing to not only add to the conversation, but emphasize that it wasn't just that I was some kind of genius wonder kid or anything, but I was somebody who, first of all, I did want to take initiative. You know, I worked hard. I'm not going to discount that. But I had a family that gave me a big step up, right? Like They, they really did help me out a lot until now. Yeah.
0: For sure. For sure. Absolutely. It's really good to like have a lot of support also, as you said, um, both emotionally and financially from your parents and everything. Yeah. Um, but with all the people inspiring you and motivating you, there are also people who doubt you. And also uh, there are also a lot of skeptical people. There may be also a lot of challenges along the way. So it's never going to be a smooth path. Right. Um, From when I talked also with my other podcast guests, they say that Um, if something doesn't have a problem in it, you won't have ever tasted maybe success, right? Yeah. If uh, there isn't a problem involved. So with all these problems, all these sacrifices that you said you made also, and all these challenges, what keeps you going?
1: You know, this is a really great question, and I might get a little bit emotional. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. When I first started, the motivation was more intrinsic. And I think it is now. But when I first started, it was more like, okay, I want to contribute. I see these bad cases, and I want to help out. And over time, that kind of transitioned from inward motivation to because I was working more, you know, on cases, like seeing the actual real life impact. Uh, I think it really changed in 2016, when we started our safe house, we started working and directly handling cases of victim rehabilitation. That includes counseling and includes legal aid, healthcare, um, a lot of things that I can't even name right now, just because they're so different and they're so varied. And um, you know, these kids, we we handle some really extreme cases. Yeah, that I can't even tell to people because they're just so heavy. They're very very dark, and we, of course, we also don't share cases that we handle at Vermont Bay. Mm-hmm. But listening to these cases all the time, it gets really really tough. And for a while, that was just. I felt really demotivated because as much as you hear this idea of, oh, every life matters. And that's, you know, that's not, that's just not just an idea. That's true. Sometimes when you're working, you know, at the front lines, working with these cases, working with the kids, it just feels like, you know, what's the point of doing this work? When for everyone can we help? There are not even hundreds, like thousands more, millions even, who are still being victims of trafficking, exploitation, and abuse. And I think after a while that, that mindset shifted really. And it's still something I struggle with, truthfully, but it kind of shifted to becoming, you know, look at the impact that you've had, right? And I see every day, I'm continuously so proud of my kids, of the kids at our safe house that, you know, it goes from something in their psych- psychosocial rehabilitation, for example, they're opening up and they're willing to talk about their experience, or some of them just get, you know, a really high grade on their exam. And every time they achieve something, no matter how small, I will cry. Like, <laughs> I'll get a text from my team member and she'll be like, oh, today, A got a 98% on her math quiz. And I'll just start crying because I'm so proud. You know, I'm just seeing like the development. These are, it's incredible. Right. And so really, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. So, you know, when it, when it comes to motivation, I'm not going to lie, it does get tough sometimes, but just thinking about the way that our kids have grown, the way that they've overcome challenges, that's really what makes me really believe that what Rumafe is doing, it's 100% worth it. You know, it's, it's something that I'm going to keep doing. And, you know, people always ask, like, who's your biggest inspiration? And I have a lot of inspirations, of course, um, you know, role models. Yeah. But really, what really inspires me to keep going, to continue Rumafe is 100% our kids at the safe house.
0: I agree. Those kids, um, whenever, like, they get, you know, a good grade or um, they do something that really makes you proud, I think that that really hits, right, for you. Yeah, and what I love about Ruma Faye is the power of peer to peer education that you said. Um, when I first uh, heard Ruma Faye, I wanted to know who is this Faye, <laughs> and knowing that this Faye is also a person who can relate to the kid, right? Um, a person who is reachable and whose image is uh, someone who can extend a helping hand to the young kid, but you know is also someone at that time below eighteen uh, herself. Um, so it was very relatable, right, for you as a young kid to help these kids. Um, and I really loved it, but as you transition to being an adult now, right? Um, what are you thinking of the long-term vision for Rumafe? Are you thinking of raising new, young, relevant figures for these young kids to be able to fight these issues like child exploitation or trafficking? Yeah. What is your long-term vision for Rumafe?
1: Yeah. Well, so Rumafe has three programs in Indonesian. It's called Tiga and Pencegahan, Pembebasan, dan Pemulihan. In English, that translates to Prevention, rescue, and rehabilitation. Yeah. And I think when we talk about long term vision, there would be kind of not necessarily, you know, different but interconnected visions between the three programs. I think in terms of prevention, sorry, when Mudumafay first started, I realized that we couldn't only engage children as beneficiaries, but also as frontline defenders as well, right? So it just means that when we go down to these areas, we're not saying, oh, we're helping you out. We're saying, no, you're helping us help you out. I don't know if that makes sense, but What we want to do is equip teenagers, equip young people, equip youths with the skills to be frontline defenders of children's rights in their own areas. So we weren't necessarily teaching them, but we were giving them the skills and the knowledge to teach their younger siblings, their future children, right? Mm -hmm. What Ruanfei does, like I said, I believe in long-term change through community empowerment. And so what we're hoping to do is we're going to stay in like, so we have four pilot areas in Jakarta. And what we do in those areas is we do very comprehensive sexual and reproductive health education. We do, um, you know, seminars on children's rights. We do even paralegal training in some of our communities in Batam. And so the whole point is that we want to create these communities, these, yeah sorry. It's fine. Like areas. Yeah, sorry, where the, you know, It's a victim-positive area, right? It's where they don't victim blame. They understand what is consent, right? And so Mm -hmm. my hope for Duanfay is to create more of these areas, but each area, you know, you need to stay for a really long time, right? The longest I've stayed in one area is six years, and we're still staying there until we can see that there is this change that we're finally like, okay, we can go now. Right. And so Mm -hmm. it's something my hope is for more of these communities, but I do understand that, you know, just because of like human resources and time constraints as well, it might not be as um, possible in the short term, but in the future, that is one of my dreams. We do also, so Rumafe runs quite volunteer based. So we have a group of volunteers in Jakarta. We have a group of volunteers in Batam and we also have two ways that we engage youths to contribute to Rumafe Yeah in jakarta we have a youth team where you know it's basically the same as volunteers but they're under 18 and we do seminars with them we do collaborations and things like that it's still something that's very baby you know we're really trying to make it a lot better for the kids for my peers really but it's something that we're still learning how to do and i'm hoping to make that much better and to engage more kids who come from very or relatively privileged backgrounds who want to contribute. Because I know that there's a lot of motivation, too. It's just we were still in school at the time, and I know that it's kind of hard to prioritize. And so it's something that is in my thoughts. In terms of BATAM, we do a youth forum, which is basically the same thing as the volunteers, except they're per area. And they do forums, and we connect them with local government officials. We not only equip them with the skills, with the education, but also facilitate their connections if you will with other people who you know can make powerful decisions in that community remind them that hey you can make an impact your voice matters um and here's how right here's why right um those two things are really really important to me and i just think that in terms of Rumafe i know it's (laughs) i put my name in the organization name yeah uh but i was 11 in my defense i was 11 years old uh, but really, it's more of like a group project than anything. I really hope that Wafe can grow to be more than just what we are today. I think that we can do, I hope that we can do a lot more and we can give more positive impact to our community. That requires the engagement of multiple youths from everywhere who want to contribute, not only contribute, but who want to commit. And I think that's yeah. that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Other than that, it's just the rehabilitation program, probably, that I have a quite clear enough future for is that I want to start more safe houses across Indonesia. You know, we're just not sure if we have a human resources yet. Actually, we're hoping to start one that serves underage male victims of child trafficking, exploitation and abuse because we do handle some cases where the victims are male. The only problem is we can't house them in our safe house because our safe house is only for you know, you can't mix the genders especially in a yeah. safe house for victims of trafficking, exploitation and abuse. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, so that's just something that I have a hope for and We have been planning, we've been doing area assessments for it, but we're just not so sure when it's going to be built, how it's going to be built, and whether we really have the resources for it, Um, human resources. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Um, A few things really uh, resonate with me. First of all, what you said, um, you know, being able to not just be in a certain area for some time and then leave. Um, Having that longevity, um, helping these um, people for a long time, I think that's really important because um, I've seen organizations that, yeah, that are just like only one-time things or just one-time events. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's it's really important for these people to uh, know like, hey, I've got your back. Hey. Um, We're going to help you out, Mm -hmm. which is really amazing. And also what you said about empowering youths, uh, youths who commit, youths who who really have that passion, have that uh, motivation to make a difference. Um, Because at the same time, a lot of young people, they say, I'm too young to make a difference. A lot of young people also don't realize that, hey, they can actually help raise awareness and all these things. If you were to give a message to the other youths about why we should raise awareness, why we can make a difference... Yeah, what would you say? What are the little things that you would uh, motivate the other youths who say, hey, I'm too young to make a difference to do?
1: Yeah, I think what we have to remember is that, first of all, little steps matter. But second of all, little steps have to amount to not necessarily something big, but something bigger, right? Our problem, I think, as (laughs) as youths is that I think a, you know, a phrase that's been thrown around a lot is raising awareness, Mm -hmm. right? We want to raise more awareness about this. We want to be more aware about that. And that's great. That's important. But when we talk about raising awareness, we don't mean, okay, say child trafficking, right? When I say I want people to be more aware about child trafficking, I don't mean I want you to know the definition of child trafficking. Yes, that's part of it, but that's not all of it. When we talk about raising awareness, we mean participative steps, Mm -hmm. real life action. And so what i would encourage i think is that yes be aware in the more literal sense of knowing what's happening in the world knowing what's happening in your community in your country but go forward from that and evaluate what you can do because and here's the thing right i think sometimes we're also really stuck on this problem where we think oh we can't do anything and sometimes that's true but other times it's also because we haven't delved more into it yeah It doesn't have to be something that's directly helping the problem, but is there anything that's contributing to the problem that you can work on? Is there anything that's profiting from the problem that you can stop using or stop facilitating? Right? When we talk about a lot of social issues, they're multifaceted issues. They're underlying causes that are really, really different that you have a hand in making or in doing, even if it's something small, it does matter. Because it has this bigger impact that even though you might not feel it. So I think for me personally, it's just taking real life action, right? And taking participative steps. I think as youth, as Generation Z, not even just Generation Z, I would even say anybody living now, we have this incredible, incredible opportunity to make a difference. And I mean, make a difference in the small sense, in a big sense, for sure. because we've been facilitated by all these incredible websites like Change campaign.com, change.org, I can't think of them right now. And I might say the wrong like .com or .org or .id. Yeah. But these websites, these like um, pages, for example, in Indorella one, they connect you to people, how you can be a volunteer, right? And there are all these pages, Instagram pages that are wonderful in raising awareness that we can follow. And we can't use that as that's it, right? That has to be a stepping stone for foundational awareness, foundational knowledge that we then apply to how we view the world how we understand and consume knowledge, consume news. That's it. Yeah, yeah. so I think for me, it's just being active. Really all of this, it kind of sums down to just being active members of our community. Yeah, I hope that answers that answer. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely, <laughs> it, it does answer the question and I wouldn't disagree with you. Um, one thing that I think that you really embody, and I've heard you often say, is that toleran, tapi right? Yeah. Um, actively engaging, um, actively doing things to help, um, however you can, even if it's not directly. But if what you're doing is going to push forward for a positive impact, then do it, right? Right. So I think that's really profound, and it's really important for people to be able to realize that. I think.
1: Right. I do want to yeah. like add though, as much as I'm saying all this, and I. I want to encourage more people to take action, take participative steps, as I said. It's also really important to remember that as much as youth activism or activism in general has come more into the limelight and been more normalized, I think a lot of the newer kids who are starting out now, they have a lot more facilities and resources than a lot of my peers did when we started in like early 2010s, which I know isn't so far away, but there's been quite a mindset change about youth activism that I've been so happy to see. The problem is, I think by existing, I kind of contribute to it. And I hope I don't as much as um, I do, maybe. But there's this immense pressure for us to be these incredible youth activists and get all of these recognitions and impacts and, you know, popularity even, right, just to have just to be a good enough youth activist or good enough activist. And as much as youth activism in a sense, like, I do want to encourage everybody to just be involved in their community, be active. I also want to remind people that it's okay to not be the big one, right, as long as you have impact. And I think the problem that we do have to triangulate here is not that, oh, kids don't have the motivation, because yes, sometimes that's a problem, but usually it's because we're not equipped with the skills we need, right? When I started Rumafei, I had to do legal work. I had to understand how to apply for grants. I had to understand how to budget, how to make reports and narrative and financial reports. And those were things that I just did not understand. Even like how to write an email. Until now, I see people our age who don't know how to write emails because they were just never taught how to. And that's, by the way, that's something that you you did wonderfully when you were sending your email. You um, clearly outlined available dates and times you just kind of basically did everything for me all i had to do was say yes and that's just something that a lot of people don't have and a lot of people aren't taught and so i do worry that we're putting so much pressure on people to do something but we're not equipping them with the skills they need to do whatever you want them to do yeah so yeah, yeah i think it's just i just hope that people know that you don't have to do something big now right take your time as long as you're being aware being active in the sense that you're understanding the information and looking for information that you need, that's that's really great. Yeah.
0: Wow, yeah. Um, first of all, I was just so shocked to be praised by the face of my junta. <laughs> but um, yeah, I really agree with you. I mean, it doesn't matter that you have to clout or it doesn't matter that, you know, you have to be really big, but a lot of people are tempted to chase for the popularity, to chase for having a very impactful organization, or maybe they're just driven by the number of followers they have or something, <laughs> so there's just so many different things, right? But I want to bring the spotlight a bit to you right now. Um, as much as I know that you're probably the last person that would want to have the spotlight on you, but um, yeah, you've done a lot of things. You've had a lot of experiences, a lot of Quite. achievements also with Ruanfei, <laughs> Um at now 18 years old. Yep. but there is also a long, bright future ahead of you, right? I hope um, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe so. And 18 years old, is there's still an abundant life ahead. right? Um, so with this amount of achievement, also with being featured in Forbes 30 Under 30 at a very young age, does this achievement actually motivate you to keep going forward, inspiring others? Or rather, does it mount more pressure on you? And also to like follow up on that, um, you're suggesting people not to chase popularity not to chase clout right but what do you chase for in the future
1: great question well first of all in terms of achievements i think i've been covered i guess in some articles since rumafei started and i never really paid attention to them i only i actually i want to reject them because it was just it made me really uncomfortable but i realized that you know Lumafe has a message to spread and if we have to do it then interviews were the way to do it right mm-hmm. but i didn't i remember when i was I think this was, I was like 13, 12 or 13, I had an interview and the interviewer was too focused on, um, he 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 asked me like a couple questions about myself and my school life, which is okay at first. And then he goes, he asked me questions like, do you have a boyfriend? And it was just these really like irrelevant questions. And I threw, you know, can you imagine this 13 year old girl? I threw him out of the office. I said, no, you know, this interview is not about that. It doesn't matter. You know, why, why do you need to know all this irrelevant things when we can, when we need to focus on this incredibly important issue, and so it was already starting that I wasn't super fond of being interviewed, just because it it did it genuinely did make me uncomfortable since I was a kid. But um, one of the first things that I ever got recognized for was the International Children's Peace Prize in 2000, shoot 2017, I want to say. You know, I was I was nominated as a top three finalist, and I was so I almost wanted to like almost reject the position because I just felt like I didn't again, I was given this head start. I was, I just don't think that my work is something that I should necessarily be recognized for, Mm -hmm. if you will, just because like, I think it's more of like a basic human decency that I had the resources to do something and I, and I did it. I I genuinely do think that. But yeah, it just goes back to the whole, like, you know, Rumafe does need a lot more recognition. And I think when I get those kind of things, it's not necessarily that gives me pressure or motivation. It just makes me realize that there's, a long way to go. You know, I think most of the time when it comes to pressure and both pressure and motivation, it's more of a internal thing in the sense that I feel a lot of pressure when we're working in Rumah Um And I just feel like we haven't done enough. But I also feel more motivated when I look at my kids. In terms of achievements, it's more of just a thanks. <laughs> you know, it's really not. Um, I know a lot of my friends, they, they kind of say like, whoa, you have everything. Basically, they're like, dang, like, you got Forbes and all this. And truthfully, it's just I'm going to be completely straightforward. Like, I don't want that, right? This is, if I could successfully rehabilitate all my kids, because, you know, the recovery process is so tough. The counseling, a lot of them struggle with drugs and some of them have STDs. Some of them don't have access to the healthcare they need. And we try our best, but in the long run, we don't know what's going to happen. And if I could just guarantee, you know, the safety of each of my kids, Dude, I don't, like, I would put that down. I know people, you know, like, that's like, that seems like the kind of thing that's like, oh yeah, of course you would. But I don't think people understand, you know, because when I hold, like, if they're physical, you know, when I hold these prizes or whatever, a recognition and even like reading about myself on the media, it just feels so empty because, you know, like, why? You know, does that make sense? Like, it just feels so empty. And it's something I struggle with because I don't enjoy it. Gotcha. Like, the reason I have, I've gotten this achievement is because I've worked against something that exists. And I don't think that thing should exist. And so, you know, I know this is a really long way to explaining. It. It's just it's something that does make me quite emotional because these achievements, people see them and they just think, "Dang, that's that's what I want in life. That's incredible. She's worked so hard." And yeah, I've worked hard, but against what? You know, like that's terrible, right? So sorry. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about achievements, really. And um, but most of my, all my motivation, all my pressure as well, they come from um, inside. That's amazing. And then your second question about what is it, what am I chasing? I'm chasing a world where every child's right is fulfilled, one hundred percent. I think um, you know I didn't even I didn't even know that the, you know, the International Children's Peace Prize thing existed when I was eleven. I didn't know about Forbes when I was eleven either. I, I don't think. Um, I just you know, I had this simple vision to see this neighborhood, this community that I initially worked in to be free of child trafficking, to be free of child exploitation, that every child had um, all their rights to fill, they had access to not only education, but quality education, that they didn't have to work, that they didn't struggle with child marriage, that the parents didn't have to be possible perpetrators of trafficking or exploitation and abuse. I really started out with a simple vision that I 100% stay true to, and it's something that I really do try to chase until now. I think I've gone some wonderful things along the way in terms of you know friends the kids that i've worked with meeting people to, to collaborate with who have done incredible things absolutely but really what i've always chased for and what i continue to chase for and what i do believe that i'll chase for for the rest of my life is just a world or at least a country where children's rights will always be recognized will always be respected where children really don't have to worry about trafficking, exploitation and abuse
0: mm-hmm. yeah awesome and i think that is definitely an an important vision, I think. It's very vital, um, especially with what our country is um, pushing for right now. I think um, we're striving for SDM unggul, right? Sumber daya manusia unggul. Yeah. And if our human resources, if some of them are still experiencing very uh, difficult, very embarrassing conditions, um, I think what you're doing and all the causes that you are um, fighting for, yeah, I think that is one step that we can uh, make for a better and a more productive and just... Indonesia will be Ungul, right? Yeah. Um, which is an important message we need, especially um, in these times here in Indonesia.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Faye, we're winding down um, this episode. Thank <laughs> you so much. I mean, there has been so much that I learned myself, and obviously my audience will be able to take from uh, what you're saying. Wonderful. Um, I have one last question for you. Awesome. But I'm just super grateful to be able to get your opinions and to be able to, um, yeah, to be able to discuss these issues that are really prevalent in our society and we really need to raise awareness of. Yeah. So. Um,
1: Happy to be here.
0: Thank you so much. But especially in this, you know, um, Independence Day circumstances, um, I want to quote our first president, um, President Sukarno. Um, he said something like, Beri aku 10 pemuda, give me 10 uh, young people, maka akan ku guncang dunia, and I will shake the world, right? Um, as we enter an age here in Indonesia, as I told you, uh, we're striving for SDM unggul. What I've heard is we're pushing for In like 5-10 years, 2030, we're going to be in the demographic dividend.
1: Bonus demography, yeah, yeah.
0: Exactly. Where most youths, like, it's the most productive age, right? And I think because of that, our youths have to be empowered from now so that we're ready for what's happening in the next 10 years. Um, representing the young generation for you specifically right with all the values that you hold on to and how you're actively speaking on vital issues from child protection and i've seen in instagram you've also been advocating for sahkan ru pekas and all these things Um, well i won't be surprised if in the future you become a global activist figure or a future (laughs) minister or something i mean i won't be surprised if that happens right deny it but you have a voice here you have a really big voice in the indonesian youth community uh so what is your message
1: well thanks (laughs) to
0: other (laughs) youths okay yeah but with that what is your message to other youths to be able to create change and as sukarno said gunchang dunia together
1: okay um i do have to kind of refer back to one of the other answers i gave because as much as I want to say, you know, youths, we have to step up and do more. The truth is a lot of us aren't equipped with the skills that we need to be able to properly contribute in a couple of years time. And so what I would say, and I'm, I'm unfortunately, I just think that we have to, we really do have to take steps far beyond what we're, what we should have to take, if that makes sense. I think it means that we need to take steps to learn the skills that we need in order to make a change. Right. That means to be more aware, to be to take more initiative, to be proactive and learning the things that, you know, they might suck now, but they're going to be very, very applicable in the future. I think, um, you know, like you mentioned, we can't talk about bonus demo. What's it in English? Demographic dividend?
0: Demographic dividend. Yeah.
1: All right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We can't talk about the demographic dividend without talking about how we've been supporting people and how we've been preparing for it. And as much as, you know, it's the buzzword that we've thrown around. Multiple times, For sure. we don't really see that reflected in, dare I say, our education system. We don't see that reflected in the way um, our youths are empowered. And I'm just saying that while we have the, the idea, right, the action, the implementation has just has, hasn't been enough. So from our side, I think that we really do need to take initiative. I think it's so easy for us to give up. You know, so since I started What Is Up Indonesia and I talked a lot about Eru, that might be a bit controversial to people. I see a lot of people commenting or sharing it and saying, you know, I hate this country and I'm sick of this country. And okay, you know, that's it's okay to be sick of this country. It's okay to be tired. And It's okay. It's okay to be tired about carrying this country. You know, God knows I am as well. But this country, like, it needs you. I know it's so cheesy to say. And I know maybe you feel like it has not given you much. But it does need you. It is your country. And our, like, I don't know how to say it in English. Like, I don't know how, you know. The citizens. The citizens, you know, they need you. And I think mm-hmm. we have this, again, just back to the fact that we have this incredible privilege. We have this incredible opportunity to do more, to learn more. I just think we have to take it. Um, but also keeping in mind that making a change doesn't have to be something big. It means contributing to local communities. It doesn't have to, you don't have to start your own thing. Just look for local communities that can use your help, that could use your skills and contribute to that. And while you're there, see what you can learn from them, right? I think it's just teaching, learning outside of our current school curriculum. So I think in terms of like what I would say to the youth in this, generation and for this independence day i just say don't give up i know that's such a terrible like kind of don't give up like that's it but it really i know a lot of people have been giving up lately because they see these really really upsetting news. but we have more to fight for and so be tired rest and then wake up and fight again yeah
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's so um, easy to lose hope. It's so easy to give up, especially with what's happening in 2020. Um, Obviously, 2020, people are saying, oh, let's just cancel 2020. Oh, what is Indonesia? Uh, How are things uh, like this all the time? When will the virus and everything? But yeah, I mean, having having that faith, having that drive to not give up, to be tired, to go and change the world. Um, I mean, as cliche as it Mm -hmm. sounds, um, I think it's really important. So absolutely a lot of great stuff that we can learn from Faye. Your heart for the young generation, your heart uh, for the youth and youth empowerment, I think is something that I commend and I think it's going to be really impactful to anyone listening. So I'm just super grateful for this opportunity. Thank you so much, Faye.
1: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I hope I wasn't too all over the place i was really happy to talk to you and answer your
0: questions no worries well it was so great talking to you Faye. i really had a great time happy independence day again for indonesia um so grateful that we are 75 years old um is there anything else you want to say um to end this episode Faye?
1: nope just happy independence day i hope you guys have a wonderful day spend time with the people you love
0: (laughs) awesome so my name is isaac winoto
1: and I'm Faisi Manjuncak.
0: And this is the Footprints Podcast, signing out. Bye-bye, everyone.